Believing Weakness Podcast. Kids are soft. You like discipline. But I've got news for you. You're not gonna have your mommy's run behind you anymore and wipe your little cushions. Oh no, it's time now to turn this mush into muscles. Hey everybody, we're gonna kind of go down a little trip down memory and nostalgia lane to talk about some stuff that we were really into back in the day that's for the most part they're not around anymore, and that's pro hormones. Um, Chris has got a whole lot of information on this stuff, actually an overwhelmingly kick-ass amount of information. Um, and I, I want to thank you for coming back on, Chris. I really do. Hey, Scott. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy and uh, really excited to be back on here and uh, really excited to talk about this topic. This is, I think I might have even mentioned in the last podcast that this is kind of what got me into uh, the science arena. So, so I'm really excited to talk about this. Now, I I just want to kind of tell everybody about my experience with pro-hormones back in the day. And I don't know if yours is similar to the experience that I had, but I was using these things back in high school, man. And I, I would save up all of my uh, allowance money that I, I was saving up from like mowing people's lawns and stuff like that and working on uh, chicken farms and stuff out in the country. And I would you know, once every month, go to a uh, town into the city and go to the, the GNC, man. And I would dump two or 300 bucks worth of all this allowance money that I had accumulated. And I would go uh, nitpick all the cool pro hormones out of the glass case. GNC. Do you remember the glass case at GNC when it had good shit in it? <laughs> I definitely do. I definitely do. And there's still actually a, a few, uh, cool local supplement shops that still have a kind of glass case thing going on, which I, I always love stopping in and browsing through what they have. They probably have more SARMs in there than anything, yes. right? Yeah. Def- now, I, I got to say, I know this is kind of off topic, but I do actually pre- prefer SARMs to pro-hormones. I don't think they have, I don't, I personally don't feel like SARMs quite the negative side effects as a lot of those pro hormones because they were like straight up steroids in a pit. Yes. For the most part, uh, at least the most popular quote unquote pro hormones. And we'll get into the difference between pro hormones, pro steroids, designer steroids a little later on. But for the most part, the most popular ones were basically designer steroids that were orally available. Uh, so they definitely came with the same costs that illegal, well, currently illegal uh, steroid, black market steroids have. Yeah. So can you kind of talk about the history of this? Because there's some things that I know that probably most people don't. But I think that you probably know a little bit more about the story behind these things. Because I'm not sure. Did Patrick Arnold create this stuff? I, I was wondering if you could kind of tell everybody about the cat and mouse game. So from, they were playing from what I know, uh, Patrick Arnold, if I, to the best of my knowledge, I would refer to him as the innovator when it comes to the pro-hormone market. He kind of set the ball rolling for everything that, that came after. Um, I, if I recall correctly from a podcast that I listened to with him, Somebody was already producing DHEA, a supplement company, um, which is 
is basically the parent androgen hormone that gets converted in the body into uh, several other compounds and eventually testosterone and dihydrotestosterone, uh, also known as DHT. Um, but uh, from what I can so, remember, so can sorry, I, go ahead, Scott. So DHEA for all these pro hormones is kind of, it's the parent, right? And I'm just trying to, maybe people that don't understand quite as much science might be able to understand what I'm, I'm saying right here. But so if DHEA is the parent to this, this would kind of, that would kind of be like in the SARMs arena. And I'm bringing that like the hottest thing ever. Um, so SARMs, the parent compound for most of those SARMs is like bicalutamide. Most of them are derived from that. So most of these pro-hormones were derived from DHEA then, right? Uh, structurally speaking, yes. So if you were to look at the structure of DHEA, uh, you would see a lot of similarities between that and pro-hormones that were released to take orally and um, even distantly related to testosterone. Uh, you know, we, let's, we, let's take a step back, Scott, and we'll just kind of explain what a pro-hormone is and, and how they're converted to hormones and, and all that stuff. So there's a, the listeners have a better understanding of what a basic pro-hormone is. Does it sound good? Yeah, great. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. I mean, you're the chemist. Okay. Uh, teach us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, Scott and I are going to provide you guys with a, there's a little guide. If you're even just to, if you're listening now and you go to the Google image search and you type in um, numbered androstane, um, you'll find a, what looks like a steroid skeleton. I'm, I'm sure most of the listeners are familiar what, with what, a, what I'm referring to as a steroid skeleton. Um, everybody's seen a picture of testosterone and uh, testosterone is that it's a ring structure there's um, four rings, and then there's a couple molecules uh, that, that protrude off of those rings. Um, so when I refer to a steroid skeleton, that's the, that ring structure. Um, and that ring structure is referred to as androstane. That would be the chemical of just that 19 carbon ring structure. Um, so something that's very important uh, Every target hormone, right now with referring to bodybuilding, we're targeting the androgen receptor. Uh, Two important things for binding the androgen receptor, um, structurally speaking, on the steroid ring, at the three position and the 17 position, uh, three, there should be a ketone. A ketone is when you see that two two little lines with an an O drawn at the end, that's a doubly bonded oxygen molecule. At the 17 position, there should be a hydroxyl group. That's when you see one line drawn with an O and an H. And um, when dealing with hormones, you see all sorts of different nomenclature, uh, but very common things you'll see O-N-E, which is referred to as own, and that's referring to the ketone. Um, You'll see O-L, and that's, or or all, however you want to say it, um, and that's referring to hydroxyl. And that those things are very important to how the steroid functions and important to pro-hormones. So basically, for the most part, pro-hormones, true pro-hormones, which have to be converted to an active hormone, will have at the three position, they will have a hydroxyl group, which needs to be changed to that ketone that I mentioned for androgen binding. Or at the 17 position, they'll have a ketone, which needs to be changed to a hydroxyl group for that androgen binding. 
So basically, a pro-hormone is a, an in, inactive for the most part. There may be a little bit of androgen uh, binding activity, but for the most part, it's an inactive androgen that requires an enzyme in your body to convert it to an active androgen. Um, I'm sure that got a little confusing there, but, but the basis to take from it is that it's a molecule that's converted from an enzyme in your body to an active molecule, which um, in bodybuilding, we're targeting the androgen receptor will turn to an active androgen. I mean, you'd be pretty surprised. Uh, a, a great majority of our audience that's listening to this right now, and I've even been surprised, they're pretty up and up on the chemistry, man. I think a lot of people, I, I feel like chemical science is going through a little bit of a resurgence right now. And I'm very proud to be a part of that because uh, I feel like a lot of our audience is really into the self-education on this stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Um, so, to, so to go a step further then, um, I just, and if, just reel me back, Scott, if I start to rambling on, it starts to sound like French. But um, so dating back pre-ban when the steroids, uh, when the, uh, excuse me, when the pro-hormones first came out, they were mostly sold as diones or diols. And so a dione would have what I mentioned is the ketone at the three position and the 17 position. And that 17 position ketone would have to be changed to a hydroxyl groups from 17 beta hydroxysteroid dehydrogenase. So if you took something like androstene dione, which is a precursor to testosterone, androstene dione would be, you'd take it, it would hit the, you know, hit your bloodstream, hit the liver, and then your liver, it's going to convert that 17 position to a hydroxyl, which now it becomes testosterone in your liver. And now it has the ability to uh, be dispersed throughout the body and the bloodstream and target androgen receptors. And in our case, hopefully in the, uh, in your muscle tissue. Um, so it's a, is it a, a one step conversion that is so yes so that is a one-step conversion something that something that's a a dione is a one-step um if you had a a diol that's basically the opposite of the dione then you rely on a a separate enzyme three beta hydroxysteroid dehydrogenase to turn that hydroxyl group at the three position to a ketone and then you would have your active um test uh, testosterone or your target hormone from that um, okay, can I ask you an idiot question real quick? Uh, it, it, I know there was like a resurgence a few years back um, with some of these pro-hormones after the Designer Anabolic Control Act and all of them went away for a while. I remember there was they were bringing some of them back, like some one and four endros, but there had to be, I think it had to be like a two or three step conversion and they were adding things in there like some sort of like enzyme protector or something like that, because there was like an enzyme called like CYP34 or something that would break this shit down. Otherwise, am that's, I on that's the right correct. track with this? That's correct. Yes. So those we refer to as DHEA, DHEA isomers. And an isomer basically just means it's the same amount of carbons, the same molecular weight, just in a different organ, organ organized in differently. Um, so basically you would have one DHEA, which would convert first to uh, one androstenedione or one androstenediol, 
um, then from there, it converts to one testosterone. Um, and that, like you said, that requires a two-step conversion um, because first it's almost like a pro-hormone to a pro-hormone. It's, it, it'll, it has a, so where before I was mentioning the diones and diols and that the active testosterone has a ketone at the three position and a hydroxyl at the 17 position, this is switched. It has a, <clears throat> a hydroxyl at the three position and it has a ketone at the 17 position. So okay. that three position needs to be changed to a ketone and that 17 position needs to be changed to a hydro hydroxyl. So those are two en enzymatic steps that are required for the active uh, metabolite there. Um, and then with regard to the formulations, I believe that people were putting, um, I think that you saw, uh, there was definitely some formulations where they were adding esters. You'll see esters on steroids, like for example, testosterone enanthate, that is a testosterone molecule with a long chain ester added to the 17 hydroxyl group. And what that does for injectable testosterone is that makes it, um, first of all, it's bound and inactive. And I believe it makes it more fat soluble. And that's why the steroid oils are, are oils. Um, so you take that, you inject it into your muscle, and now you have what's called a depot. That's why you'll see some of the terminology with um, pharmaceuticals or black market steroids saying something depot. The depot is this deposit that you've injected into your muscle that's a, a pocket of this oil. And all the steroids are, are held together with these enanthate. We're just going to use enanthate as an example with the enanthate chain on there. And then as that chain, you know, as this little depot starts to degrade, and it drops off steroid molecules and those chains get pulled off, then those become um, active testosterone molecules in your bloodstream. And that's why you can inject testosterone enanthate once a week. So you have that little depot and it's basically feeding your body testosterone off of that little uh, fatty oil uh, injection in your muscle. Um, so I kind of went down a rabbit hole there, but, but in these... But, but basically, basically an ester... To, to release of a drug because if you have like testosterone without an ester i mean it's base and it only lasts for a few hours right just like a test base is unestered so it, it's like in and out real quick right that's that's correct yes you you just you'd have to inject it so it would be metabolized and and you'd have a spike in testosterone levels and it would be metabolized and the, those would drop off. So that's correct. That's what you're, you're providing a steady flow of the drug as opposed to like, like you said, if you had a testosterone base in order to keep it steady, you'd have to, you know, run a, run an IV all day or which you wouldn't do, but, um, or just inject it several times a day. And still you wouldn't have the, the steady uh, flow of testosterone that the, the long chain esters provide. Um, but, so, but, so what, but to that fact, to that fact, sometimes those longer esters aren't always ideal. Like if you have like a really harsh compound like trend, man, you know, some of the, those long chain versions of, or long esters of trend, like a trend ananthate. Yeah. It, it's a longer release, but you're also getting some longer side effects too. Sometimes it's better to have an acetate that's in and out in a couple of Ab days. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, everything has its, has its use. They're like tools. You need to use the right tool at the right time. And just like you said, that's exactly right. Something that has higher 
rate of side effects, you want to be able to get it out of your system quick if, if shit hits the fan. So, um, absolutely. But steroids are bad. No one should use them, though, right? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so what people were doing with these DHEA molecules is they were adding an ester at the three position, uh, typically like with testosterone, it's added at the 17 position, but this ester made the molecule more fat soluble. So they would have that ester on the DHEA molecule. They would pair that with a, with a, I'll call it a liquid gel, like a gel capsule that had a, some sort of fat in there. Um, and then they would pair it with something like you said, that would inhibit the, the enzymes that would break, uh, that would, you know, inhibit absorption in the liver. Um, and I think they would use something, I can't recall the exact name. It's, it's called DHB, not to be confused with the steroid dihydroboldenon, um, but it was DHB. I think it was dihydroxybergmotin or something like that. Yeah, it was like bergamot. Yes. It's like grapeseed extract. Yes. Grape, yep. Grape so they had that. Grapefruit. And then they had yeah, grapefruit extract. They would put uh, narin, naringin is, uh, I believe, the active alkaloid in grapefruit extract. Um, and I think there's a few other naringin, naringine. I, I can't there remember was, specifically. There was one that was called like a cyclodextrin or some shit. They were marketing oh, yes. the hell out of. Yes. Uh, be- beta cyclodextrin, I believe, was a, uh, it's a cyclical uh, carbohydrate that they bind to the, the molecule. And that helps with, uh, I can't remember if that delivers a slowed, uh, slowed delivery or, uh, helps with absorption, but all these things, yeah, were added to help with absorption. And, uh, I believe kind of some of them were, were to help make it past the stomach and get to your large intestine. Cause I think there was uh, better absorption through the large intestine. Um, now, did you ever try any of those whenever they came back around a few years back? Did you ever try any of those with all the, the new technology and stuff? Because I did. I didn't think they worked worth a shit compared to the old school stuff. They they do not, but there's also a, a lot of these things, Scott, are underdosed. So, um, you know, is it going to work? Yes, it will work. Will it work as well as the older stuff? No. Is it going to work like a... Like Superdrawal, no, because Superdrawal was a designer steroid. But will it work? Yes, it will work to a certain degree. Um, but again, I think that the doses need to be much higher than than some of these. Uh, so these DHE isomers, just to be clear, are still available. There's uh, several companies out there that have them. Um, there's one company that I don't know. I know they're affiliated with high-tech pharmaceuticals, and they actually have a patent on these DHEA isomers. So you'll only see these DHEA isomers from select supplement companies, um, including high-tech pharmaceuticals. Otherwise, you know, you might have a rogue company that comes out with them, but they're definitely going to get taken, taken to court by uh, the parent company um, who has the rights to uh, the patent on these molecules. Yeah. And uh, Jared Wheat does not fuck around. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> like that, that guy loves going to court and fighting for. Uh, Dude, he 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 fought the uh, FDA. They they seized. I forget how much DMAA from him, and he fought them and won. Yeah, I mean that guy. You know, say what you will, but or everybody's entitled to their own opinion. But you know, people can like you know he's just a scumbag entrepreneur or whatever. I mean, it's people like that that are fighting for the rights for a lot of freedom to do a lot of stuff, you know? 
Absolutely. I, I agree completely. I agree completely. Like, just like you said, have your own opinion, but the, the stuff that he's done doesn't get done with hard work. Um, and he is definitely, you, no one else is out there. You have all these companies producing and making money off of these molecules and then they get banned and say, oh, okay, forget about it. But he's actually fighting for the right to sell these for the freedom of this market. So I, I definitely commend that aspect of his uh, business. And I know that, you know, there's, I've read other articles about, I don't know anything about him. I've never met him. I don't know anything about him, but, but, you know, from, from the little that I do understand, that's one aspect that I think that is uh, positive about him. Yeah. Hey, Jared, if you're listening, which I highly doubt you are, because I'm sure you had better stuff to do than listen to this awful podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we just, me and Chris just want to say, Hey, thanks for, fine for, uh, dude, let me ask you before you go into like the more about the history of, pro hormones what is the difference between a pro drug and a pro hormone i'm kind of confused on that okay so a perfect example um androstenedione is a direct precursor to testosterone that is a pro hormone um then you have something like uh i'm sure you remember haladrol or haladrol that came out yeah, that stuff was awesome. Yeah, so so that was a it wasn't an active steroid on its own. It was it was a diol, but it was a methylated diol. So you had a 17 alpha alkylation which made it orally available. However, at the 3 position, like I was saying before, you had a hydroxyl group. Uh so technically an inactive steroid. Once this was put into your body, your Three beta hydroxysteroid dehydrogenase uh, converts that three hydroxyl group to a ketone, and then you have um, the names terenable, terenable. Oh, so no it, shit. So yes, so um, it was a direct precursor to terenable. Now that would be a pro drug. That is a precursor to a drug. Wow, that explains why that shit was so great because it turns into t-ball yes and that yeah so so you you know pro hormone it precursor to a hormone i mean technically you could call halodrol it's a you know if you want to call terenable a a hormone i mean it's a synthetic derivative thereof so we'll call it a drug and halodrol was a pro drug to that okay Um, well let let me ask you a question then just because i'm trying to understand here so if you methylate decanandrolone that turns into mint right if you if you methylate it yes because like isn't um, mint or or a testolone mint isn't it just a, a methylated uh nandrolone so it, it has a methyl group at the seven position um if you refer to the to the numbered skeleton that I originally said, you'll see the number seven on there and there's a methyl group there. Now within steroids, there's kind of a lingo where people say methylated and refer to toxic and orally available. Now that's a methyl group specifically at the 17 uh, position, the 17 alpha alkylated steroids are orally available, quote unquote, methylated steroids. Um, So yes, ment has a, a methyl group at the seven position, but it's not 
what the, you know, almost call it like a slang lingo with surrounding steroids. I wouldn't refer to it as a methylated compound because it doesn't have 17 alpha alkylation. And what the 17 alpha alkylation does is it protects that 17 hydroxy group from metabolism. It's basically just a little carbon molecule set up next to that hydroxyl group. And, and that hydroxyl group uh, gets deactivated by that same enzyme that activates prohormones. So not only does that enzyme activate prohormones, but it deactivates active hormones in your body. Oh, wow. um, so that 17 methyl group acts on something what we call in uh, chemistry called steric hindrance. So it, it it's almost like the... Um, how do I explain this? It, it, it's, it's basically just causing interference with the enzyme and that enzyme can't bind and deactivate that 17 hydroxyl group. And then it lets it uh, bypass through the liver without being deactivated. That's how an oral steroid works. And that's what causes the toxicity. Um, now there may be more toxicity associated with trestolone or ment. Um, but it's not specifically from that 17 alpha alkylation or methylation as people refer to. Dude, um, I mean, I don't think that, that is a toxic <clears throat> compound whatsoever. And I, I, I say okay. that because honestly, I've used mint for years or testolone. Um, yes. And dude, I don't, I don't really even take testosterone anymore. Like I, I, I okay. actually switched to mint as a, that's, kind of like a hormone replacement therapy, and I only take 15 milligrams every day. That's, that's it. cool. So and 15 milligrams every day, you don't take any testosterone? No. And that's I feel better on mint than I do that. And, I mean, it's, that's it's great. Now, they're the develop. I don't know. Are they still, Scott, do you know if they're still developing that as a um, male con- contraceptive? Um, the Population Council was looking at that in the two th- early 2000s. But I think that they are looking more at compounds like S23 now for that because uh, the, the, the bad thing with mint is, you know, there's some pretty wicked estrogenic side effects because it converts mm-hmm. to, like the gorilla chemist was telling me um, when we talked that mint converts to a very specific type of estrogen, like a methyl estradiol or some shit like that that's like pretty rare. Um, but you know, it's in higher doses. A lot of people bitch about mint have a either never used it or B they use way too much of it. And a little bit of that stuff goes a long way. <laughs> you know, I mean, the right. most I, I think would ever take of mint is 50 milligrams every other day. I mean, it a little bit goes a long way. And the reason why I switched to mint is better sex drive. Um, and I mean, I don't, have you ever used mint before? I haven't. No sex drive is just through the roof on that stuff. Um, I actually, the other reason why I switched to mint is, um, it doesn't have any, uh, side effects with the prostate like testosterone does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like they show that like that's in every study that's on mint. You can see that there's no negative side effects with prostate. Dude. I mean, I'm in my mid thirties. I need to start thinking about that shit. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a very, very cool compound. Um, and that's interesting what you say about the estrogen. Um, th- there's a lot of very educated people that I listen to their podcasts and read their stuff. And um, in the past, we demonized estrogen in the bodybuilding um, industry. Uh, but there's a ton of benefits from estrogen. 
you obviously don't want to have it too high, but it, uh, it sensitizes androgen receptors. It's responsible for, um, you know, some growth hormone related stuff. It's neuroprotective. And apparently what we didn't understand before was that it's involved in the sex drive. We always associated testosterone with the sex drive, but it was that conversion to estrogen that was helping with sex. The conversion of testosterone to estrogen apparently was helping with sex drive. So, yeah, I mean, and you still, you, cramped, you still see you ever, a lot. Sorry, go ahead, Scott. Uh, have you ever taken too much anastrozole or Remedex and crashed your E2 levels? It sucks. Like I've done that. Yeah. I, past. You cannot get an erection if you crash your estrogen levels. Oh like, yeah. And, and you just don't feel good. And it's, it's also terrible on your lipids. A lot of the, a lot of the lipid stuff, um, the negative effects on your lipids from steroids and SARMs come from that lack of estrogen or imbalance of androgens to estrogens. Today's podcast is sponsored by my friends over at AminoAsylum.com. Now, I've worked with a lot of different peptide companies over the years and brands that make research oils and more advanced compounds like that. And what I can tell you that I've kind of come to to realize is that it's always a 50-50 shot whether that company is going to be amazing on every front or just complete garbage. Everything that I've used by these guys over at Amino Asylum has been top-notch quality, and they got some really cool innovative products, guys, like these amino blends that are designed to accomplish very specific results. And they're also my go-to source now for male enhancement items as well as research oils such as mint. And from what I can tell, they only use quality ingredients whenever they create every single one of their products. And they've even shown me where they've had customers independently test products and post results with uh, blood work to support this. Now, their goal is to do whatever it takes to make sure that their customers leave each transaction satisfied. So they're one of the few research chemical companies out there that actually has a customer service department that does take care of their customers' needs and concerns and addresses issues when they come up. So if like there's a delay in an order, this isn't one of those asshole companies that just avoids emails and DMs. They always get back to people within 24 hours to let you know what's going on. So if you're looking for a good peptide source or any of the other compounds that I've mentioned, go to aminosylum.com, and if you find anything on there that you're interested in and you want to give them a try, well, you can use the 10% off discount code that they provided our listeners, uh, which is LW10. Again, that's aminosylum.com, discount code LW10. So kind of going back on pro hormones what what's kind of like the history like after patrick arnold you know the godfather of this stuff he started shit that was getting popular in like major league baseball and stuff right yes i have a little theory about that but yeah i mean the so so yeah we'll start with patrick arnold i believe if i remember correctly the podcast that i listened to with him on it he was working for a supplement company that was selling DHEA and he was doing a little research and he came across Androstein Dion. And he said, Hey, if we're selling DHEA, we can sell Androstein Dion. That's a direct precursor to testosterone. So if anybody out there, I implore you to go search Patrick Arnold on your podcast, whatever podcast platform you're using. And um, I can't remember who he's interviewed by, but there's only a few podcasts with him and he has a, great story about how pro hormones were born and how they were synthesizing it in this lab. He had like a 
a big reactor and hired some guy Dude, and a boiler that over was, or something. Uh, yeah, that was uh, Gorilla Chemist did a podcast with him. That was the Gorilla Chemist Radio back when that was on. I remember that. It was about three years ago. Okay, yeah, that was that was an awesome one. And he was he was on another one of the like a, a life improvement style podcast too. Not even life improvement. Um, uh, yeah. Somebody very famous, Tim Ferriss. Yes, yes, yes. He was on. I, I listened to the Tim Ferriss one. I'm sure I listened to the Gorilla Chemist one as well. Um, so yeah, so he started selling Andrastein Dione, and then from there. Um, all these isomers of androstein dione were born. And then there was androstein diol, um, which I explained before, just has the two hydroxyl groups on it, as opposed to the two ketones. Um, so after androstein dione, I believe there was uh, 19 nor androstein dione, which is 19 nor being nandrolone was a direct precursor to nandrolone. Um, there was androstein dione, which is a, Five alpha, five alpha reductase is an enzyme that converts testosterone to DHT. Um, so androstenedione was a five alpha reduced androstenedione, and that made that a precursor, direct precursor to DHT. And then there was the the almighty one uh, AD. So one AD is simply um, it's a it's Androstenedione, but instead of androstenedione has a double bond at the four position. That's, that's the same as testosterone. Testosterone has a double bond at the four position. Um, one AD has a double bond at the one position and that gave it a greater, uh, anabolic to androgenic ratio, just made it stronger in general. Um, so that was what I believe that was the first pro-hormone that people took and were actually like, wow, this is, this is doing something. And as far as I know, you know, I don't know too many people that are around my age that didn't take one ID. Oh man. I've been a small fortune on that shit. When I, was in high school. <laughs> I mean, I did, man. I was eating those motherfuckers. Like they were peanut M&Ms, dude. They were like peanut M&Ms just popping them all day. Oh man. Yeah. We're, there was like freshmen in high school taking one IDs and get, I mean, that's just funny. Cause the first time I found out about pro hormones, I was a senior in high school and my buddy said, Hey man, and we're going to get to this one in a second. And, well, we'll just jump to it now. So, so one AD, the orally, it, it converts to one testosterone. Um, so after that you would, you saw some one testosterone, uh, esters available and stuff like that. But, um, I don't know if it was Gaspari who came out with it, but, Regardless, somebody released M1T, methyl one testosterone. I also remember taking that <clears> too. Uh, that was no joke. No, it was awesome, man. <laughs> Dude, I, it was LG Signs, LGI or LG Signs is who I became. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we back then they were legal gear. They were legal gear back then. Mm, man, fucking badass. Only thing yeah. that was more badass yeah. than that was um, that. We talked about it earlier. That trinabol, trinab, trinab. I can't. What, what was it that I said? Uh, uh, it Blackstone was Blackstone. Lab. Yeah, Blackstone Labs trinabol, which is trendione. And just as we discussed before, it was trend, but with a dione. So you would take it uh, in the liver. That that seventeen ketone would be converted to hydroxyl, and then you would have active trend running around your body. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> But see, what's crazy is like, I mean, we were, you and me are around the same age at the time. And, you know, 
I didn't know much about chemistry. I mean, I grew up in the middle of nowhere and didn't even have a fucking internet. But, (laughs) but what's crazy is, you know, I remember taking that, that Blackstone Labs product and just taking it by itself. And at first, man, I was just moody, pissed off, had no energy, felt lethargic as fuck. Um, and I remember a buddy of mine that I worked out with that was a few years old. He's like, oh, man, you got you, know, you can't just take that shit alone. You got to take this for Andro with it or you'll feel like crap. Now I know why, <laughs> but back then we didn't understand that, yeah, you got to have a test base with this kind of shit, you know? Exactly. Yeah, that's a, your four. Your four Andro at that point. If it was Blackstone Labs, you were probably taking the four DHEA that required a two-step conversion, um, and that just goes to show you that if you were taking that and that made you feel better, that 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 those DHEA isomers do work. They are inherently going to be weaker, but you know if it made you feel better, it was de- you were definitely getting some testosterone conversion from it. And I do believe there's some uh, scientific literature that shows that it actually. I think they used one DHEA and they showed it did convert to one testosterone in the blood Yeah, or it showed up in the blood as one testosterone. And see, like I was a senior in high school when I was using that. And, uh, you know, I remember, (laughs) remember my mom was like, Scott, you're getting too big, too fast. You know, what, what are you doing? She was, (laughs) something was going on. And I think we all kind of knew that these were kind of like steroids in a bottle or otherwise just too good to be true. And I remember right. having to keep these fucking empty jugs of fucking protein powder around all over the house. Oh, it's the protein powder, mom. It's just, I'm just, I just, it's, I can't, I'm just getting too much protein powder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember people say, Oh, I'm taking 30 grams of creatine a day. And they were taking 30 <laughs> grams of creatine a day too. But uh... <laughs> so, yeah, we used to do, we all do all sorts of crazy stuff. I remember taking 20, 30 grams of creatine, stuff like that, pro hormones, but uh, it was a fun time. <laughs> so how, dude, how are they? I mean, I remember the shit just eventually going away for a long time like how did that happen and how are they coming up with all these damn different pro hormones it's like after one we get banned they just come up with another one there are so many options there's so many different arrangements of these molecules that you can make i think that i don't know what was going well the the government obviously is usually very slow to adjusting to to things um but they would they had this mindset of banning specific chemicals. So they would ban specific chemicals. They would make these specific chemicals illegal. And then somebody would come out with a slightly different chemical that they didn't put on their ban list. Um, that happened That happened until I think the most recent, the uh, DASCA was 2014 Designer Anabolic Steroid Control Act. There was one in 2009, 2010, and the, the 14. The 2014 one, they kind of just, boom, slammed it down and said, Listen, if we, if you, you know, if it's anabolic, it builds muscle and it's a steroid, it's going to be illegal. They kind of put a clause in there that they can determine something to be an illegal steroid almost on command. Mm. Now, um, so that's how they kind of put an end to that. I mean, you'll still, we'll talk about it a little later. You'll still see pro hormones out there. You'll still see designer steroids that are being sold on what I'll call the clear net, you know, as opposed to the dark net, just your regular standard internet websites. Yeah. Um, so there is still some stuff out there, but. If they chose to go after you for it, they would have a pretty good case uh, where they could say that you were uh, selling and distributing uh, anabolic steroids. Now, um, we've talked about this before. There was a book, right, that all these supplement companies were got a hold of, 
right? That had that from like the 60s or some shit. Yeah, I can't remember the specific date, but it was uh, Julius Julius A. Vita, Androgens and Anabolic Agents. I th- I'm pretty sure that's it. I'm, I'm Googling. Yep, Androgens and Anabolic Agents by uh, Julius A. Vita. Let's see when that it was it uh, from 1969, I believe. From like, yep, originally published 1969. So this was like your anybody out there that's um, familiar with Alexander Shulgin, who produced basically a similar book for phenylethylamines, uh, which are usually stimulant and psychedelic based, and then tryptamines. Those are called PCAL and TCAL. And in the psychedelic realm, those are the Bible of how to produce these all different substances, how they react with the body. Now in Alexander Shulgin's case, he actually, he synthesized tons of these drugs and he tried them all out on himself and people around him and made notes of how they respond. I mean, that's a, that's like a, a work of art. It's unbelievable. So this, um, this book is, is like that to steroids and there's tons of steroids in there. And I believe every one of them provides the uh, anabolic and and androgenic ratio um, which was determined by applying these compounds to rats. And then they would measure the change in weight of the, um, what I would, I guess would be the rat's calf muscle, kind of the levator Annie or levator Annie muscle. And then they would care. Um, rats have a slightly different prostate. I guess it's in several lobes. I can't remember. They took one specific lobe of the prostate from the rat, and then they would compare the growth of muscle to the growth of the prostate. And that would give you your anabolic androgenic ratio. Oh, so worse. I had kind of done some research on that book years ago and it looked like the steroid scientists basically just documented all this shit. And a lot of them were probably, I, I theorize a lot of them were just kind of documented and abandoned probably because there was too many side effects or they were too toxic or whatever. But that book it's damn hard to find now right i mean because i saw that bitch on ebay one time and it was like 700 bucks yeah you you and i were texting each other about that i'm i'm gonna buy one one day (laughs) i'm always looking that's my dream to hold hold the hardcover in my hand um so were the supplement companies like when something would get banned would they just go right down the page and be like that's the next one (laughs) just right through this book yeah, I think so. I think, you know, there was obviously some selectivity going on, some research, and I'm sure for the most part, there was a lot of people just ordering these chemicals up from China or wherever else and, and have a bunch of friends that are bodybuilders and say, hey, I got this one this week. Let's all try this. And and whichever was knocked their socks off, they put it in there. That's crazy, man. I mean, it's like the Wild West almost. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it was it really was the wild west back then. I mean, it's constantly referred to that. They people still refer to supplements as the wild west, but there's quite a bit of control now. I mean, if you if you were to go and do something illegal through a supplement company, you're either going to be sued by another supplement company in the industry, or you're going to be depending on how how crazy you are, or you know, if you're doing if you're committing a crime or not, you might be prosecuted criminally by the FDA. So there's they have current good manufacturing um, standards and stuff that they need to abide by. Some people don't, you can go and look through the uh, FDA warning letters and they send warning letters and they, they go look through the, the criminal cases through the FDA. You'll see all sorts of stuff. So they're um, I'm sure the FDA can't keep up with all of the supplement companies, but for the most part, they're uh, 
they're, they're, they are regulated to a certain extent. So when someone says, oh, there, you know, there's no regulation, that's just untrue. Well, I, I'm pretty good friends with Brian Bucky that owns the company Fitness Informant. And he's basically painted a, a pretty, pretty good picture that the supplement industry now, I mean, it's, it walks around and they're in compliance with supplements, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're, it, like I said, if you're not going to get it from the FDA, you're going to get sued by the, the next guy in line who wants to take you down, the next company. There's quite a bit of, um, I'll call it inter-industry. Um, Self-regulation. Correct. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so where do you want to go from here, man? Are there specific ones of these that you want to talk about? Yeah. I think that let's just run, give a quick rundown of kind of the history of how they came out and what they were and, and, um, and what they actually were and how they were for the most part, a lot of these pro hormones related to a sought after black market steroid. So I'll just refer to the pro hormone kind of what they were trying to target with it. Okay. Um, so we discussed M1T, which is basically one testosterone with that with that 17 methyl group I was talking about. So it's orally available one testosterone, um, very strong, pronounced side effects, but still a lot of people love it. Um, after that, uh, people released what they called M1D, and that was methyldienolone. Um, that basically is if you remember the pro hormone that a lot of people referred to as Tren, um, that was called diene, diene own, or um, trying to think of other names that they called it. There were the, the chemical name was Estra 49 diene 317 dione. You, you saw it all over the place. It was in, um, there was a big one called Spawn that had this in there with uh, Epistain or Epistain. I remember that. Um, I remember that. Basically, name. Yeah. So it was very popular. So, so this is predating the 2004 act. They had a methylated version of that. So that came after M1T and that was very strong because it has that, that four, nine double bond and it, it's a 19 nor as well. So that's why they referred to the later one as Tren a lot because it was a 19 nor and it had that Tren has a four, nine, 11, uh, has double bonds, the four, nine and 11 position. Um, and this one has them at the four and nine. So it's, it's, it changes that steroid structure enough where it increases its binding affinity to the androgen receptors and some other receptors. So this methylated dienolone was a, was a pretty strong compound. I think people were taking it just to give you an idea of how strong it was. I think they were taking it in like the, the five to 15 milligram range. So it was a very strong compound. Wow. Um, they also had another interesting one around that time. Um, I, you can see the, these three compounds I'm talking about right now, M1T, M1D, and then the next one that they referred to a lot as Oxivar. These are in that ad. I posted that Instagram post today, and it has the uh, Gaspari ad with three pro-hormones on there. Uh, and these were specifically designer steroids, so I won't even refer to them as pro-hormones. But, you know, at the time, we called them pro-hormones. Um, and that one was, it was Oxivar. It was called M4OHN. So it was basically uh, methyl nandrolone, or, you know, we could call it methyl deca with a 4-hydroxyl group on it. So that's a pretty unique steroid. Um, you don't really see that too much anymore. That 4-hydroxyl group, um, you might remember there was an anti-estrogen called formistane, and that had a 4-hydroxyl group on it. If I remember correctly, I think formistane was 4-hydroxyandrostenedione. The big... The big anti-estrogen <clears throat> I remember being popular was an oxo. 
Do you remember? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Was it six OXO? Six OXO. That's correct. So there was, I believe six OXO came out before the 2004 ban and it survived the ban. It, it went through the ban. So that was that six OXO was predating the ban as an anti-estrogen. And then it survived uh, for quite some time after until it caught uh, attention of the FDA. But uh, six OXO basically OXO in chemistry just refers to a doubly bonded oxygen, which I was talking about before as a ketone. So you have a doubly bonded oxygen at the sixth position. So it's basically androstenedione with a ketone at the sixth position. And that ketone at the sixth position uh, gives it affinity for binding the aromatase enzyme. So this binds the aromatase enzyme and occupies the aromatase enzyme and therefore while that's occupying the aromatase enzyme, the aromatase enzyme is too busy to aromatize testosterone to estrogen. So that's an aromatase inhibitor inhibiting uh, this enzyme and promoting uh, greater levels of testosterone. Now, if for the younger folks that are listening, if you wanted to know a, a little bit about what 6-Oxo was like, it was very effective. Um, it was like a really strong version of probably what you younger folks know is a remistain. It was like a really strong version of a remistain. Wouldn't you say, Chris? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the first hormonal modulation that I took part in was uh, I took six OXO and I took Tribex. I can't remember who made Tribex. They, they made mag 10 and stuff. Mag 10 was like one ID and four ID stacked. Uh, but, but basically Tribex was tribulus and, um, and long was long jack or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but it was a, it was a test booster. So I took that and I took the six oxo and I'll tell you what, man, I, I definitely noticed a difference. I know that, you know, we were just talking shit about dropping estrogen and stuff like that, but I definitely uh, taking that six oxo and a test booster um, at, at being 18, 19 years old, I definitely had some pumped up test well, and uh, gained a little size. Well, you know what I, <clears throat> I theorize about that is, what it does is it frees up your bound estrogen, you know, taking an aromatase inhibitor where it frees up some of that, or I'm sorry, it, it frees up some of your bound testosterone and allows it to right. free up. So you have like more usable testosterone in your body. That's my, right, right, I don't right. know if that's right or not, but. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're not going to have, you're going to reduce that testosterone getting converted to estrogen. So you're going to have higher levels of testosterone and probably in turn for a certain period of time, you'll definitely have some more free testosterone as well. Um, so after that six OXO, there was, um, I think, I think it was Gaspari who first released it. They called it, uh, I think they called it Novadex XT or something like that. Novadex. <laughs> um, and that was ATD. And that was, um, that was basically, uh, it's, it's, it's androstene dione, but there's, there's, they have the double bond at the four position. They have the double bond at the one position, and then they have a double bond at the six position. And it's a, it's a dione. Um, and that was pretty effective as well. If I remember, I, it's, it's been so long since I took these. Do you remember that one? I remember seeing that. I think. Because I remember seeing the name Novadex XT and it's like, God damn, I mean, just make it blatant what you're trying to make here, Novadex. Right. <laughs> but I don't think I ever took it. Right. Yeah. Now that's interesting because it's it's got a lot of double but it's it has three double bonds in the steroid skeleton like Trenbolone, but they're just in different positions. So that's why it doesn't have 
that effect that Trembolone has. And it's, it's interesting that a lot of these OTC uh, aromatase inhibitors had some sort of modification at the sixth position. So this has a double bond at the sixth position. Now I can only assume that modification at the sixth position is what's driving that binding to the uh, aromatase enzyme. And then there was another one, uh, which was, uh, you saw it as six bromo. Um, bromo, yes. I remember. Yeah. That. So that was, that was androstene dione with a, uh, with a bromine attached to the sixth position. And um, I'm, I'm sure that that operates on the same idea as uh six oxo and it probably having a halogen uh, or having a bromine at that sixth position, uh, I would assume it increased the binding without looking too in, de- in depth into that. But uh, so that might've been a little stronger than six oxo. Hopefully maybe somebody will send us a message and tell us uh, the specifics on that or, or I'll look it up and we can put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, so those were the, the main anti-estrogens, and they, they've stuck around for quite a while. Uh, 6-Oxo got some – I don't think 6-Oxo was actually banned until 2009, but FDA kind of started sending out warning letters uh, before that, I believe. So then you had ATD was around for a while, which I mentioned, which was Novidex, um, and then some warning letters went out on that. I think till this day, I don't know if 6-Bromo is banned, but I've come across it at a few places – I think I sent you one Instagram account that had some pretty wild stuff there. Oh, yeah, I think they had yeah. six promo in one of their, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so then, uh, so this is all, you know, post 2004, then you had stuff. There was uh boldione, which is, it's a precursor to boldenon. It's a, it's a dione version of boldenon. Um, and I think that may have been around and survived the 2004 act. I'm not sure, but it was definitely around, after 2004 and a company called iForce made it and they called it, it was called bold 200. I don't know if that rings a bell. No, I don't remember that one. Okay. There was another one that's been around for a very long time. Uh, Max LMG. Uh, it goes by a few names, methoxygonadiene, uh, methoxydienone. Uh, you, you'd see the name. It was a very long, odd name. It was called 13 ethyl, Three methoxy gona two five ten diene seventeen ohm. Holy shit! <laughs> God damn, man. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a that's a pretty interesting, unique steroid. It was it it was a nineteen more. Um, it had a, 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 a an ethyl group at the thirteen position. Which, if you look at the androstane skeleton, if you were referencing androstane, it would be the 18 position right next to the 17 where the, the, the hydroxyl group I keep referencing is. Um, so it's a, it's a 13 ethyl um, at the three position. It's got a methoxy uh, group, which I'm assuming that methoxy was probably cleaved into a hydroxyl group and then converted to a ketone or something. But it, it's, a, there's, there's a lot of stereochemistry that would be happening there. That I just, I'm unsure of how it would happen. Um, and then it had double bonds at the at the two and the five position, which are very unique to that. Um, so yeah, it's just a very if you look at it, it's an odd looking steroid. Um, and I think there was a lot of uh, prolactin and progestin issues uh, with it, side effects. But I know a lot of people used it. it was around for a long time. Yeah, I mean most of those things we were taking, man. I mean weren't really that safe, and um, you know especially considering the target market age group <laughs> that we're buying it it's probably one of the reasons why you know i ended up having to get on trt at a 
younger age than most people, you know? I mean, it's a wonder any of us yeah. are able to even have kids after the shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, if you, if you took it thinking it was a supplement, which was the major issue with these and why guys got into trouble, um, it could be dangerous. It could be dangerous. It could also be respected and used properly. But at that time we didn't have the information that we have today. It was, you really had to dig to find it. And um, you kind of just walked into GNC and trusted that, Hey, I'm buying this over the counter at a supplement store is going to be fine or, or anywhere else. You know, I, I think GNC kind of kicked those things out there. One of the first uh, supplement stores to get rid of them. They obviously saw the writing on the wall or the dangers involved in it. Yeah. Um, so going further, we have a uh, super draw, which is probably, I would rival super draw with M1T as the greatest over the counter steroids that were sold. Um, super draw was just strong. Oh man. Like, did you try super? Draw? Fuck yeah, I did. Oh, <laughs> that gets my dick hard talking about that stuff, dude. Like that shit, <laughs> man, that shit was the best bang for your buck with those over the counter pro hormones. I mean, that shit worked and it worked quick. Today's sponsor is proven peptides. Proven Peptides is the industry leader in high-quality American-made SARMs. While other SARM companies claim to give you pure and tested SARMs like RAD140 and LGD, these folks actually prove it by third-party testing each and every damn batch of product and then publishing the results on their website for the entire world to see. They also offer a money-back guarantee and a one-day handling period, as well as an over-the-phone customer service department where you actually get to speak to a damn human being. So if you're looking for high-quality SARMs and other research chemicals like S4, Cardarin, and MK677, go to ProvenPeptides.com and enter the discount code LEAVEWEAKNESS. Again, that's discount code LEAVEWEAKNESS to receive 10% off your entire order. Superdraw came out right after, uh, oh, I think it was like the, the 09 ban or something, and I was... Uh, Dude, I got an email. Was it 09? No, no. Superdraw came out earlier. I think I was a freshman in college. But I, I got an email from, I think, one of the first retailers and said, hey, there's this stuff, Superdraw, coming out. It is strong as whatever. And it was one of those supplement online supplement websites that you trust. They only came out with, like, the aggressive stuff. And yeah. you knew it was going to be good. And I bought the first, uh, what I think was the first run of them. And it was, it was this little tiny, it showed up, and it was this tiny bottle I was like, what the hell is this little thing? And I opened it up and the pills were tiny. And I was like, what is this? And I'm like, you know, it's going to be good when it has this tiny little pill. So I took that. Oh my God. Within like two weeks, I was blowing up. Yeah. I mean, it, I think maybe 2006, 2007, right around there is when I got a hold of some of it. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah. That's, yeah, that sounds right. If I, let me, if I was a, I was a freshman. It was 2000. Yeah, probably. Yeah. 2005 is probably when I was a, 2005, 2006. So we could say right in 2006 time. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, it was, so, you know, I think it was 2005 because it was right after that 2004 ban. I remember people were running around trying to find M1T at the stores left over and stuff. And all of a sudden super draw came out. Um, and yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. That, and that then, was uh, the crowning jewel of all those, you know, I mean, it worked. Yeah. Great. And that was, that was, uh, that was anabolic extreme. I believe that was the first company that released it. Um, 
I don't know what happened to them. They kind of, they kind of changed, they changed from anabolic extreme to AX supplements to anabolic or athletic edge. So I, they, they've kind of modified to get away from that. I don't know if they're still around or not. I'm sure we could find them on there, but uh, they came out with super droll. Then they came out with Feraplex. Uh, what else did they had? They had like three main, I think it was Feraplex, super draw. And what I mentioned before, Max LMG, I think those were their big three that they had. Feraplex. Gosh, that's um, Desoxy, right? Yep, Desoxy methyl testosterone, also referred to as DMT, not to be confer- not to be uh, confused with uh, dimethyltryptamine. Oh, my, but my uh, lab rats. And then it was also it was also called Madol. Yeah, Madol, dude. Uh, yeah, one Desoxy. My lab rats currently on that right now. Uh, fifty milligrams, <laughs> fifty milligrams every other day. So I love that shit. Yeah, yeah, that's so. That's that's what you're on. People are referring to as uh, desoxytestosterone acetate, right? You're on the acetate ester. Is that yes, the sir. one? Oh yeah, yeah. That's the, that's that is one of my favorite compounds because it's so unique. So it's basically if you were to take a DHT molecule, uh, methylate it, and then take off that three ketone that I was talking about there and put a double bond at the two position. So basically. When you're used to seeing that steroid structure and you have an oxygen poking off the front, an oxygen poking off the back, um, take the one off the front and put a double bond in there and it's, it still binds the androgen receptor. So, so the, I was saying before, the 3 and 17 oxygens are very important for binding androgen, androgen receptor, but this one doesn't have an oxygen at the 3 position. Um, and it still has a pretty favorable uh, anabolic to androgenic ratio or, you know, binds the androgen receptor in a, in a favorable way. Um, and it's, it's, it's been available in so many different forms. So, so there was DMT, um, does, uh, the, the Madol that we're talking about is the methylated orally available version. Um, and then that same company later on, after I think, uh, anabolic extreme, after they got a little flack for, uh, their, their, um, they were, they were designer steroids after they got in trouble for that, they came out with three AD, which had uh, what two androstenol acetate, which is what you're taking, but you know it was in a, it was an oral form, and they just they referred to it as a pheromone with an with an acetate on it, I believe, um, and that kind of they you know I think they got rid of that because they were probably getting in trouble, and they're like, hey, this is too much of a risk to have this, and then later on, uh, Androgenetics came out with a with Delta two which was the same, you know, two androstenone. So you uh, basically, Madol was uh, methyl two androstenol. Then they came out with uh, two androstenol acetate. And then androgenetics came out with delta two, which was two androstenone. So that had a ketone at the 17 position. And that ketone converted to a hydroxyl group in the liver. And then you had androstenol, you know, the active uh, steroid in your system. And and that one was very cool. I think you can actually still find it. Um, it was sold on the premise that there, there's some research that shows that um, in human axillary glands, uh, DHEA is metabolized to this, to androstenone. And then it's also a pheromone that's present in elephants and boars. And boars being part of the, you know, the U.S. diet, you could argue that uh, to, to, to comply with uh, uh DESHEA, uh, Dietary Supplement Health Education Act, uh, which is what the supplements have to uh, abide by, um, that it's, an, it's a metabolite of a pre-existing supplement, DHEA, and that it's 
already available in the food source being a, a present in boar meat. So, you know, it's kind of out there a loophole to get in there, but, but you could argue uh, that it's a Deschier compliant uh, yeah, hey, My theory is, uh, you oh. know, if, if, if manufacturing testosterone is illegal, then wouldn't our nuts be considered like a manu- uh, steroid manufacturer since our nuts make testosterone naturally? Shouldn't we all be sitting in jail? Absolutely. I mean, steroids are ubiquitous. They are plants produce steroids. We produce steroids. Animals produce steroids. Um, you eat cholesterol in meat, which is actually where your androgens come from. You convert cholesterol uh, through a pathway. It gets to, it ends up being testosterone through, through several steps. So you could say that, you know, cholesterol is a pro-hormone to testosterone. It's the, it's a, well, I guess it's, the, it's a precursor to, because it's not a hormone to begin I mean, with. vitamin D is a um, hormone, right? I, yeah. I forget what the technical, I, I've looked at that before. People often refer to it. I, vitamin D, I, it may be, uh, they say it's a hormone. I don't think it's a pro-hormone. Because, uh, but it's. Know, Josh Bolton, my friend that owns Proven Peptides, he told me that there's some countries in um, Europe where testosterone is legal, but vitamin D is illegal. <laughs> I was like, what? That's and interesting. I into it and I yeah. found like where he was right. And I was like, that's crazy. That is very interesting. Yeah. There, yeah. There's all sorts of somebody way smarter than me. Again, I heard that I listen to podcasts like crazy, but I heard it on a podcast. They, there's, there's, uh, there's accepted truths and then there's, um, I'll say actual truths. I can't remember the term that he used, but you know, there's things that are accepted truths. People say stuff so many times that it becomes a truth within our society. Yeah. And then there's, you know, a real truth. Like if I take my phone and let go of it, it's going to drop to the floor. That's a, that's, that's true. But there's an accepted truth, like steroids are bad. That's, that's an accepted truth in our society. But I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Hamilton Morris. He does um, Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia on Vice. He, he, amazing show. If anyone has, if you have time on your hands, you probably do right now, go watch that show. Uh, he's very into pharmacology of illicit drug, or well, he's just into illicit drugs in general. And he profiles the drug, how it works, how it's synthesized and then it's social impact. And I heard him say once, he, he might've got it from somebody else, but he said, the dose makes the medicine or makes the poison. Yeah. So, you know, is something good for you? Yes, it can be good. It can also be bad. I mean, everything um, has an LD50, right? <laughs> correct, correct. Drinking too much pickle juice so, is probably bad, you know, in some way. Yes. And so, I mean, some things are far stronger than others and you have to be far more cautious, but um, yeah, nothing is, everything has its, uh, its use or can be used a certain way. Like somebody said to me one time, I was, you, you know, I work a ton of hours. I was drinking an energy drink. Aren't those bad? And I said, it's not bad if I want to remain sane today and be productive and get this work day over with. It's good for that. So, you know, everything has its yeah, use. Yeah, it's all in the eye of the beholder. You know, testosterone right. Testosterone could be viewed as an illegal drug for one person, but it can also be viewed as a life-saving medicine for someone who has hypergonadism and can't pr- produce their own testosterone, you know? Exactly. Or somebody who uh, wants to go through a sex change therapy, somebody who feels, a, a, you know, a female that's more comfortable as a yeah. male, they're going to use testosterone. And that's going to not only uh, change them physically, but 
if that is in fact what they want, that's going to benefit them mentally um, without using a, a psychotropic drug or any, not that there's anything wrong with psychotropic drugs, but um, all right. So what else have we got? So after, after uh Theraplex, there was um, a few others. Uh, the one I mentioned before, was diene dione it was the name estra 49 diene 317 dione and that was uh that was sold as you know all these different there was always trend in the name with that one and that's because it has that you know like i said uh trend has that 4911 uh double bond at the 4911 and this has a double bond at the 49 and they're both 19 nor so it definitely acted more similar to trend but the real trend pro hormone was what we talked about before that you had taken from Blackstone labs. And that was trend And I think that came out a little later on after that, um, dying dion. And then there was, um, I don't, do you remember epistane? Yeah, I remember that. Or, I remember that. I yeah, never took it, but that's I a, that's a, I took that very, very cool compound. Definitely worked very well. Um, <clears throat> as long as you didn't take too much, it was fairly light on the side effects it was 17. Um, it was, it was methylated. So there was some liver toxicity. Um, it's a, it's a DHT derivative, but, but I don't remember, I don't recall having anything that were any side effects that were too androgenic or any hair loss or stuff like that. And you could always have hair loss from these compounds, anything that's going to target the androgen receptor, you have androgen receptors in your, in your scalp, it can cause hair loss. Um, but this one was really interesting. Like before how we were saying that the, um, uh, the Theraplex lacked that oxygen at the three position. This one does as well. This actually had at the two and three position, there was a sulfur molecule bound there. So this is another one that was a very unique uh, steroid. And I think that it was developed in Japan for breast cancer or something like that. I don't know that it ever came to market, but if I call correctly, that's what it was developed for. That's pretty wild. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think it might have had some anti-estrogenic uh, capabilities, but that might have been more pronounced in females than men. It kind of almost sounds like a master on, you know, with with those kind of qualities. <clears throat> yes, yeah, right. Um, and then there was, we, we mentioned, there was a few different, um, I'll call them halogenated or chlorinated uh, steroids. So as we mentioned before, Terenabol has that, that four chloro molecule. And it's methylated, so it's orally available. Um, so halodrol was a precursor to serenable. Um, and then there was also promagnin, which was a precursor to 4-chloromethyltestosterone. So just slightly different. This one didn't have the double bond at the one position like, um, like the halodrol mm-hmm. did. And then after Promagnon, uh, I think it was Antius Labs released something called Mechabol, M-E-C-H-A-B-O-L. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm assuming it's pronounced Mechabol. And that was just <clears throat> straight up uh, for chloromethyltestosterone. And Scott, I took that one, and that was that was one of my favorite compounds it, that, that was over the it counter. It sounds really interesting. Um, yeah, it was – you know, I got – I got lean very fast. Um, I got gained muscle fast. I didn't have many side effects like you experienced with like, you know, my blood pressure didn't go through the roof, like with super draw. Um, it was just a very, and I was taking a low dose. So it was, it was very effective, very manageable. Um, and, and I really enjoyed that one. And, and that, that specific one that I have, I know that that was, I actually had it, um, 
I had it sent to a lab and tested myself. So I know it was a hundred percent legit. So, you know, a lot of these things too, Scott, one thing we should mention is back then, like you said, it was the wild west. There was a lot of stuff being sold that wasn't what it said. it was. Well, I kind of think some of that's still going on right now with research chemical industry. So I, I would assume so. I would assume so. Anytime you get into these, uh, it's a gray market and you just run the risk of, of something not going right. Because I think that not to, there's a lot of great companies out there, but I think that this specific market draws some people that are not ethical. quite as <laughs> maybe they're greater risk, to, right? Not as ethical, greater risk takers, but at the same time, I don't want to, I do like that industry a lot. And I do think there are good companies, but there always tends to be that crowd that comes in there. That's just trying to make yeah. a quick buck. Yeah. Especially whenever people realize, cause you and me understand this industry a lot better than most because of the connections and friendships that we have. Um, you know, people don't realize in gray market businesses, I mean, everything is a struggle and a challenge. I mean, just getting a payment processor to process credit card payments or e-check payments all the way to, you know, just protecting your website and your store and stuff. I mean, it's, crazy and then whenever companies want to say that they are doing third-party testing half of those companies out there aren't really doing third-party testing they're using the coas and hpcl or hplcs that they get from their source and just throwing some bullshit lab name on there and hot plating it you know i mean yeah that's something i think i said this to you before you you'll see all the time on on reddit or the forums Oh, did you get a COA? Is there a COA? And there, I always say the COA is worth the paper it's printed on because it could, like you said, it could yeah. be anything. They could just go print it from anywhere, Photoshop it, doctor it. You want to trust them. You want to believe it. But the reality is that I could print up some COA and say, Hey, I just got this tested. This is what it is. Um, and you wouldn't know the difference. And, and and I've taken things that have had COAs and have been great. And I've taken things that haven't had COAs and I've just trusted what they were and they've been great. So yeah. it's a, it's a roll yeah, of the, the best thing that I can suggest for people that want to find a legitimate company that really does have their stuff tested is look for companies that, and this is just my experience knowing this industry is look for companies that do batches. Like, like if they have a batch, they get that specific batch tested. So you'll want to find a company that posts that information on their sites like April's batches or June's batches or current batch and make damn sure that on their uh, third-party testing that it has a company name with a phone number and an address that you can look up on the internet and call them and say, hey, I was just checking to see if this company one of your clients i just want to make sure that the information they provide me is correct and then if they say yeah they're one of our clients there you go is it foolproof no but the last thing you want to do is buy something from a company right that's got um a third party testing that's from two years ago there's no way that they're still using that product right <laughs> absolutely yep yeah yeah these are just little things aside from you know, aside from not no one has access to analytical chem chemistry. Most people do not have access to analytical chemistry. Um, you just have to use what you can to, to see who you trust. Like you said, do they, do they respond to you in emails? Are there, 
are they on forums? Are, is their website up to date? All these things. Do they look like they run a solid business? Uh, are they friendly when you talk to them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, customer, do they have a customer service right. uh, source? Because a lot of these, you're lucky if they even provide their fucking email address for customers. Yeah. <laughs> but there's the, the ones that I associate with and I work with, they have all those things in place. That's the reason why I work with them. I've kind of done a little bit of, you know, vetting with some other companies that wanted to work with me. And there's a reason why I don't do anything. With right. Them. Right. So I just, I won't name any names, but I mean, the companies that I promote or work with, I mean, I, I do for a reason, you know, cause I don't want to back something up. that's bullshit. You know, if someone's going to test something in their lab. I want to make sure that I recommended a quality uh, analytical product for lab research. Absolutely. So, I mean, have we covered everything that you, you kind of wanted to go? Over? Yeah, I think, yeah, we, I think so. We did. <laughs> We've been on for a while. I think we got a lot of stuff covered. Do you, I've got some ask the, uh, the chemist questions. Do you want to take a stab at them? Yeah, let's, let's go ahead. Um, if I'll, uh, if I don't feel comfortable answering it right now, if I don't think I'm going to have a good enough answer, then I'll just say, well, let's, let's get to this one next time, but we'll see if, uh, speaking of that, let me, I'll just do one real quick. I, somebody had messaged me on Instagram when we said that we were doing this and I wanted to uh, shout him out because he has a pretty good page as well. I don't know. Have you ever seen the guy on Instagram, ergogenic health? Yes. I have. Okay. I think they're so yeah. So if, each other, but yeah, I think so. So go if ahead. you, yeah, if you, you know, go and check him out, he had asked, if there are any pro hormones that could, um, I think it was enhance or improve insulin sensitivity and very simple, short answer is there's research that shows that testosterone can improve insulin sensitivity and the most readily current available pro hormone to convert to testosterone is for DHEA or for Andro. And that's what we talked about before. It's that two-step conversion to testosterone. So you would be, uh, increasing your testosterone. And according to the research that says the testosterone increases insulin sensitivity, then you'd be increasing your insulin sensitivity through that pro hormone. Okay, cool. All right. So you're ready for the questions I've got. Go ahead, Scott. All right. Uh, this is from a guy named Steve. Okay. Um, hey guys with the coronavirus spreading around like crazy, what supplements can be taken that actually work to increase the immune system to fight it off? Are oral over-the-counter vitamins worthless, or do you have to inject them right into the bloodstream for them to even do anything? Can gear or SARMs help? Okay, so the first thing I'll say, um, that what's that guy's name? Derek from More Plates, More Dates? Yeah. You know, yes, he, cool he actually did a post um, warning people that uh, anabolic steroids uh, have actually a, a negative interaction with your immune system. So it'd be wise not to abuse anabolic steroids during the coronavirus. So I will just use that. He had references and stuff without, without me researching it. I, I think he's a pretty good source. Do you agree, Scott? Yes. And I know a lot, this isn't really necessarily with the immune system, but you know, a lot of anabolics, can increase blood pressure. And I know one of the big things for like people that are having a real hard time with the getting coronavirus and getting over it are people that have high blood pressure. Issues. That's a thousand you know, percent. Correct. Yes. Yes. 
you know, the, the dad bods out there, you know, dude, you guys need to get on some cards. Yes. You know, I'm just saying, yes, absolutely. Uh, and now. there, there's apparently a negative, uh, uh there's some damp cardiac damage done with the coronavirus, I believe. So, uh, you know, inherent dangers of steroids are, uh, cholesterol, your lipid profiles being skewed, which can cause, um, heart disease. So, you know, anything, like you said, blood pressure, heart related, you're going to want to stay away from. So definitely don't stay, take steroids to help with the coronavirus. <laughs> I mean, I, if you do, I would say, you know, kind of follow my protocol, just HRT doses, you know, the, the most effective dose at the lowest level, but I would not be running a anabolic steroid stack. Right no, now. definitely not. <laughs> and then SARMs, we just don't know enough about, um, and we'll just assume that since they share some of the uh, characteristics of steroids, that it's probably not a great idea. Yeah. I mean, there's some that do not affect the lipid levels nearly as much, but I will say this. One thing I would recommend people look at taking if they want to do something is I would take harder in right now. Yeah. Again, again, yeah. I mean, again, I know that there's many health benefits to it, uh, again, we don't know how it would react, though. So, yeah, and I'm just saying that from a cholesterol standpoint, right? Uh, right, uh, metabolic. I, I, yeah, I, I am. I right now, I am taking baby aspirin. I am taking car. Right. <laughs> I'm also taking a real. I mean, this is kind of a plug because uh, I do work with them. But Amino Asylum has got a badass product right now that is a an amino blend that's vitamin C some B6 and B12 and some glutathione. I have been using that. Mm -hmm. um, I, that is a really slick product for right now. I think it's even called Corona something. Yes. Um, but I mean, can the orally available supplements like vitamin C and all that stuff. Absolutely. I mean, vitamin C, zinc. Um, I don't know how much research there is on it, but personally, I, when I feel myself getting sick, this is my stack that I go to. A high dose of zinc, high dose of vitamin C, uh, five to 10 grams of glutamine. And this is all pre-bed. Um, and then I, a little valerian and a little melatonin, um, mm. and maybe some echinacea or something like that, you know, an over the counter emergency. I mix that all up and, and take that right before bed. And, um, you know, cause sleep is very important. So that melatonin and that valerian puts me in a little deeper sleep. I get a little more recovery. Not sure what the glutamine does there, but it definitely, <laughs> I, it makes a difference when I take it. Um, and then the vitamin C and the, and the, uh, zinc, those are go-tos for immune system. There's a lot of other stuff out there as well, but that's just my personal stack that I've used many times. You know, if I feel a fever coming on, I'll pound that down at night. And then, uh, it, it, anecdotally that works for me. Yeah. Another thing, I don't know if you're a fan of it or not, uh, spirulina tablets. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I don't man. take too much of it. I know that you and Chris uh, take a lot of that. Oh man. I think that shit. Uh, great bang for the buck because you can get a bag off Amazon of spirulina tablets uh, for like 20 bucks and there's like 800 tabs of those and man like if you look at the nutrient profile on there it's badass like I mean it's it's really really good um, now the the part of the question that guy said I mean are the orally available stuff is that sufficient or do I have to look at going and getting injections of stuff from a clinic I would say that, well, 
if you're able currently, I don't think you're going to be able to access any of these like IV clinics and stuff like that. I know that here in New York that they're closed. Um, but if you're able to IV or injection uh, of vitamins and nutrients is pretty popular right now. It's, it's, it's going to be, there's going to be a greater bioavailability unless the supplement that you're taking has hundred percent bioavailability. Um, but, but the oral, the orally active one, oral, Oral consumption works just fine with a lot of these. But, you, you know, okay. it, all the multis that we take and everything like that. There's pretty good oral, uh, pretty good oral absorption. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't so go seek out. If, of, you, like, yeah, exactly. You know, if you can get your vitamins delivered to your door from Amazon and you clean them properly, and and uh, you know, you're probably going to have less risk of exposure than going out, going to a clinic and getting this stuff done. And then you have the whole aspect of of getting injections and stuff during this. Uh, everything should be sterile, but yeah, that should, I, I, I would, so I would say the, over the oral is fine. Okay. Uh, this guy has got a question. Uh, this is an Instagram user, Wes Grace, and I'm going to murder this. Um, hey guys, 17 B Astoxy 5 A Andros 2 E N E. What happened to that? How does it compare to anything currently? So available? that, is what we discussed before, testosterone acetate. So that you can find that. You, you said that you have the amino asylum one, right? Yeah, that's the same. So that's the same thing as this. this yes. Oxy. Yeah. What, what, what was it again? Okay. It was Androsta 2-ene 17 uh, acetoxy, something like that. Yes. Yeah, 17B acetoxy 5A Andros 2-ene. Five E N E or two E N E? Five A Andros two E N E. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. He's he's referencing um, the uh, the uh, desoxy uh, testosterone acetate. Okay. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That's it. Compares badass to just about anything, and uh, it's still out there as a research chemical. Yep, you can find it. <laughs> Google it. Sweet. I got one last question here. Um, this is kind of an in-depth one. Now, this person wanted to remain anonymous. Um, all right. Is there a stack my lab rad uh, could be recommended to use in research for weight loss, endurance, and mental focus or retention of mental focus? Um, the research subject is 57 um, probably 40 pounds over six foot 240 um i have type uh the research subject has type 2 diabetes and is back into boxing and weights um sleeping in the afternoons with very low energy levels um problems with losing focus and retention while trying to study for a second career um, when I've taken Carter in the past, it seemed to make me very tired, so I don't know what that's about. Um, also, the uh, subject is on 2,500 milligrams of metformin and also 200 milligrams of uh, modafinil, um, though I don't feel like that is doing much anymore. Thanks for all you guys are doing. Now, before we answer that question, 
we are making no recommendations for anybody to do anything with medical advice. Right. Right. Chris? Absolutely. See, see your doctor, but um, you know, we'll, we'll obviously discuss it, what our opinion is, but we're not recommending that you do something without first speaking to your doctor. So um, you want to take a stab? So he one? wants something for, for energy and uh, memory recall and also fat loss. That's the way I'm kind of reading this. No. But the, the problem is we're fight, we're dealing with some diabetes issues. So then there's metformin in place here too. So, yeah, it's funny. When and, you were reading uh, it in my head, I was like, all right, metformin, metformin. I was going to say, go to your doctor, get metformin. And then you read that. I was like, damn. <laughs> but, but he's also taking 200 I, yeah. milligrams of modafinil too. And I mean, this is kind of a tricky situation. I was going to say, that's very interesting that he's not having that he's not getting energy from the 200 milligrams of modafinil. So I, my first question would be is where, where did that modafinil come from or modif modafinil, yeah, I mean, however that, you want to say it. Um, yeah, I mean, is that prescription? We don't know. Um, right. If it's prescription, then okay. Something's going on. If it's not prescription, then maybe you have a bunk source for the modafinil. Um, if you think if it, he could he could be abusing it possibly it, and just needs to come off? Yes, it might be time to give it a break and and uh, let your your tolerance reset. You might have just built a tolerance to it. Um, it's going to probably be uncomfortable for a little while, but if you want to start working again, you might have to take a couple weeks off, maybe a month off. Um, but uh, the first thing that comes to mind is alpha GPC. Um, Mm -hmm. alpha gl glycerol phosphoryl choline um and that i really really like for cognitive ability it gives me more drive it gives me memory recall and then another interesting tidbit with that is um it increases growth hormone so there's quite a bit of research showing that it increases growth hormone so there you'd have you'd have your you know your drive your cognitive function it doesn't give you a stimulant energy but it definitely gives you an energy um, and then you'd have some, uh, growth hormone activity from that as well. Um, and that, you know, increasing growth hormone may reduce some body fat. Uh, I would stack that with, uh, phosphatidylserine. Uh, those, th those two compounds are a really great stack. Um, you could also try. What about L-theanine? Cause you reckon me use L-theanine and that small amount of that really helped me well that's see my only thing l-theanine is great with l-theanine and caffeine is a great mix but l-theanine is is a relaxing compound so in this guy's case i don't think that he would want to take anything that's gonna relax him yeah um okay. because we're trying to get the energy here that might be something beneficial at night he might want to try some valerian a little bit of melatonin at night um get a better sleep uh, perhaps the 200 milligrams of modafinil is interrupting uh, his REM sleep. Maybe if he get that's a pretty good dose, right? Yeah, yeah, it's not, it's a it's not a bad dose, and the metformin's a pretty good dose as well too. Um, I, I would say the first thing this guy probably needs to do is go get a goddamn blood test, um, or send in for one of those online things and just see what where his bloods are at especially with being a diabetic, don't you say? Absolutely. I mean, Again, like we said before, first thing you got to check with the doctor, but yeah, you, yeah. See, get to a specialist, see what, what your nutrient levels are. Perhaps it's a nutrient, uh, nutrition deficient, nutrient deficiency. Um, there's a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Um, it's, yeah. Sometimes it's hard to tell with that. Well. Yeah, you're right. He didn't. Yeah. There's a lot of specifics that we didn't touch on. So 
like you said, sleep is a huge one. If that modafinil is interrupting his REM sleep, he's not going to feel good. So maybe he, maybe he kicks that modafinil, has a strong cup of coffee in the morning, pops a melatonin at night, and he gets a better uh, circadian rhythm going. Yeah, plus the other thing with this that I'm sitting here, like this is the first thing that pops out to me, Chris. Um, you know, when he said what he did use was that metformin and the modafinil, that's it. The, the research subject is 57 years old. Mm-hmm. The first thing that's ringing off to me is HRT. Yeah. We, like, yeah. I would go see what your test levels are because yeah. this sounds like the lethargy and stuff. No energy, right? Yeah, something like there you go. And then, Still like, like we mentioned before, and uh, testosterone related to an increase in uh, insulin sensitivity. So, so that might be that maybe get off the stimulants and go see a hormone replacement uh, specialist. Yeah, that, especially that, now, now, nowadays. I mean, if you need testosterone, it's pretty hard to get denied it if you know what route to take. I've got an article, uh, on leaving weakness like how to get if you need trt and you're having a hard time getting it what you can do to get that that life-saving medicine to have a better quality of life i mean with all the online type things like you can get it if you if you truly need it absolutely and yeah so that's that might just kill all birds with one stone scott that's kind of that sounds like that might he gets the blood test and he's got low tests. That might be the answer. He's going to lose weight. He's going to have better insulin sensitivity. He's going to have better energy, better sleep, better sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the things I mentioned are still really good. The, the choline forms and the uh, phosphatidylserine, that's great for memory recall, but yeah. He, yeah. That HRT sounds like it would be a great idea for him to look into with the doctor. Yeah. Like it's just kind of an odd thing and you and me aren't medical specialists. So I'd hate to, give any recommendations with this situation right right so that's all the questions i got brother that sounds good i don't think there's any more if there are we can get together next time and address them yeah and hey i have got a bunch of requests probably a dozen or so requests for us to do a nootropics episode and dude that's kind of your specialty that, yeah that would be awesome that would be awesome we can dig deep into that that would definitely be a two or three part series. Though. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> we, we could spend a few days on that. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be cool. That would, we, we should definitely get together and do that. All right, brother. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks again for coming on and uh, whole community appreciates the shit out of you. I mean, it's, it's pretty rare that an actual chemist can come on and actually talk about these things and put in some real weight. Thanks so much, Scott. Course. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be able to talk about it with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, okay. I'm going to get off here and uh, be happy, stay healthy. I mean, these are troubling times we're going through. Try and take yes. care of yourself. I'm in the hotbed of it. So, Absolutely. Yeah, same to you, Scott, and same to our listeners. I hope everybody out there is staying healthy. You know, uh, We're all going to get through this. Times are tough, but uh, there's light on the other side of the tunnel. So, Yeah. All right, man. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye.